Okay. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited, you guys. I have been anticipating this for a long time. Me too. First of all, Georgia, I'm so happy that we're finally like yes. meeting face to face. After like so many failed attempts. I know. We've been following each other on Instagram for like literal years, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yes, definitely years. And like we've tried to coordinate y'all fest several times, but it just has not worked. But here we are, you guys. Here we are talking about I can't believe we got Carlos to read this book. <laughs> uh. I just finished Aquawar like an hour ago. I did not read Silver Flame, so. <gasps> okay. And I was going to say, I'm okay with spoilers for um Silver Flame. Well, do you plan on reading it? Probably not. Oh, no. Oh, oh no, this scares me. Oh, no, this scares me. Welcome, welcome back to everybody, to the to the viewers. Hearts, thanks for sticking around. Hearts, 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 hearts. We're your three favorite booksellers. I'm Rose. I'm Lauren. I'm Carlos. Today we are joined by Georgia, but some of you probably know her a little bit better on Instagram and TikTok as Peachy Queen Cosplay. So welcome, Georgia. Yay, Hi. welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm Georgia. I, I do go by Peachy Queen Cosplay on Instagram and TikTok. Um, been doing the cosplay thing for books for, I don't know, maybe like five, six years now. Her cosplays are incredible. So good. Thank you. Thank you, guys. We are going to be covering A Court of Thorns and Roses. It's about Farah. She she killed a wolf, guys. She got to live with this man. That's Faye. He turns into a wolf, okay? She had to go through trials. Then she goes with another man. She falls in love. He's a bat boy. Then they go to war. And then her sister falls in love with the other bat boy. The end. Incredible. And her other one's in a coma. The other <laughs> the other one Basically. sees ravens around her. <laughs> Pops in here and there and is like, I saw this thing. And they're like, girl, please. The birds. <laughs> it was hard to get Carlos to read this book because he was such a hater. <laughs> a casual, like, hater. Like yeah, I just... I didn't really ever hear good things about the book from, like, the people that I trust online, you know? Like, everybody I get my recommendations from, like, hates this book. So I was like, maybe I will hate it, too. You know what? People do love to hate Miss Sarah Janet. That is facts. Not Sarah Janet. Are y'all friends? Or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know her. <laughs> this is probably going to be a hot take from the very beginning. Um, I forgot how much I didn't love the first book. Anybody else didn't love the first book? I did not like the first book at all. I didn't not like it. Like, I liked the first book, but I wouldn't say I loved it. I had a hard time starting it. Like, so I picked it up just after having not read YA for a few years, like consistently. So it was like 2016 when I got that book. And I feel like in the time gap that I had read YA, it had changed so much. So coming into like such a gritty story... It was so off-putting and like I wasn't used to just like, I don't know, that grit in YA and just like how like depressing it actually was in the beginning for Feyre and stuff. So I mm -hmm. really struggled at first with that. I think it took me a month to even get through to like chapter three and then I got going after that, but it was hard at first. 
I think my struggle was more so like you read it and Feyre is a pretty likable character, I would say, from the very beginning, but she was kind of vanilla. She was so annoying. I hated her. I was going to say she's not likable. <laughs> I was going to say, usually I hear the opposite. People don't love Feyre from the beginning. I didn't, I didn't care either way, but I usually hear people don't like her. So that's interesting to hear. I mean, it, for me, it was mostly that like I didn't hate her. I just found her boring. Like, And then, of yeah. course, Tamlin swoops in and she's like, oh, my God, he's the best thing since sliced bread. And I'm like, girly pop. No, he's not. He just doesn't seem like that. <laughs> to me but then you get to book two and your mind is just like blown to smithereens my god (laughs) carlos what did you rate the first book i forget uh i think i gave the first one a 2.5 oh wow yeah whoa (laughs) whoa The first like 70% was literally so boring. Nothing was happening. And the romance I feel like was obviously it was forced because I guess that's how it was supposed to feel. And like it just wasn't really, I don't know, like it, I did not like the first 70% of the book until she went under the mountain, of course, and it got a little better. But then even then I didn't really like Amarantha as a villain. So yeah, oh, really? 2.5 is what I gave the first one. I feel like it was... Not forced, but it was definitely just like a convenience romance. That's why I rated the first book so harshly because I was like, she just fell in love with the first guy that was like nice to her. This is stupid. And then the first book is almost like bad on purpose. Does that make sense? Yeah, like a setup. Yeah, I guess reading the rest of the books, I did realize that, that it's kind of bad on purpose. But I mean, that doesn't mean I liked it, you know? No, yeah, 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 no. If not for this episode, I will probably never read the first book again. But boy, do I go back to the second book. Doesn't everybody. (laughs) So Georgia, do you have a favorite in the series? I know it's so basic, but like, Agamath would be my favorite. I will say like, I did enjoy the first book a lot, though, and I still do rate that pretty highly, like, in my ranking of the series. I think, though, because I went into it with different expectations where I literally typed into Google, like, books like East of the Sun, West of the Moon, which is a Norwegian folktale that's kind of similar to Beating the Bees, Keep It in Psyche, and there's a book called East that I really loved growing up that is based on that fairy tale, too. So, like, it, Akatar follows that story pretty truthfully I guess pretty faithfully that's the word I'm looking for so like that fairy tale kind of convenience setup kind of like I was mm-hmm. like yeah that's what's supposed to happen and like everything that happens I'm like yeah it's supposed to go like that so like I still kind of really love that one just because it does follow that fairy tale a lot but like it's it's so hard to be Agamath it's so hard it's just got everything you could want enemies to lovers is absolutely my favorite trope and so the fact that it happens so slowly i don't feel like reese and pharaoh were ever enemies like tamlin and reese were enemies but it was never pharaoh so when people describe it as enemies to lover i don't really see that i mean she hated him though so maybe in pharaoh's mind she hated him okay (laughs) she i think she only hated him because of what she heard from tamlin but it wasn't like an actual hate i don't know i feel like she did legitimately hate him at first because of what tamlin was saying to her seeing him next to amarantha like she had no backstory of any of that so she just saw him as like her dog she was like oh i hate this guy because he's helping our enemy 
I remember I, for the longest time throughout the book, I think well through like the middle of the book was so frustrated with Feyre because of her hate for him, because she just like blindly hated him for Tamlin. So like, I really do think there was a very, (laughs) very strong hate there. But I think enemies to lovers is used so sparingly that it's hard to like really distinguish like real enemies to lovers stories. I feel like there's actually very few of those. It's just like a broad term that's used, you know, so it's hard to look at a book and be like, yeah, that's actual enemies to lovers. But I do. I think it is definite hate to love. Yeah, hate to love. For sure. Mm -hmm. Now, any book that like if they have a bad first meeting, it's like, oh, enemies, they're automatically enemies (laughs) and they're going to fall in love. (laughs) True. Can you please try and find a couple of one-star reviews? <laughs> oh, I love it. When people hate a book that I love, oh, I just love it so much. I don't know what it is. I think I'm, I don't know. That's incredible. I'm going to get so upset. I already know. Wait, they're going to be so good though. <laughs> I have a feeling they're going to be so right. Um. Gonna... Well, starting off strong, half star. <laughs> oh. <laughs> First of all, this is Mark Dez high fantasy you have got to be kidding me brandon sanderson and jake (laughs) jk rowling are somewhere sipping tea and laughing at this bullshit you telling me fey fairies aren't high fantasy i see this a lot for sarah j mass though i see a lot especially comparing to brandon sanderson who i've never read i don't have anything against him i just like they say like it's not high fantasy compared to like those books it shouldn't sit next to those books on bookstore shelves and it's kind of just like absurd to me I think the reason is because the the world feels so modern, like the buildings. When I picture them, I picture like a regular house or like a, you know, like I don't picture like this huge castle um, or like the city for Valaris. I kind of just pictured like kind of like New York. And it, that's how it was in my mind. When I think there's like a lot of shaky world building sometimes where it's like there's like modern plumbing, but then there's not other things and like this and that and like. I can't help but feel like it is very like targeted and like misogynistic just when it is directed at someone like Sarah J Mass. They're just different though. They're just high fantasy in different ways. Like Sanderson has like kings and medieval shit. She's got fairy dick. Like just high, f- let it be. <laughs> fairy dick. Like a spectrum, you know? Like yeah. it all falls somewhere. But it's like what makes it actual high fantasy versus. I don't even know lower fantasy. I don't know what to call it. Like, what do you like? How do you distinguish that? Well, Crescent City is tech. I think it's technically considered urban fantasy, even though there's like werewolves and vampires and high fae and all that. But I think it takes place like in a city, right? I think that's how they distinguish those things. It's like contemporary setting versus some other setting that doesn't necessarily exist at any point in time because like mortal instruments would also be urban fantasy. Right. Um, Crescent City is definitely considered urban fantasy, but I don't know. In my head, even like sometimes I think of high fantasy as like that's like Lord of the Rings, like that's high fantasy. Mm, and yeah. I think it's more in terms for me in like a world where I just can't even understand it. <laughs> like I just like it's too overwhelming, and like I really can't grapple it. That's high fantasy to me. Leave Sarah alone. I for real, people just really do like to hate her book. They do, <laughs> they do, and I think there's valid the- criticisms, but. Yeah. Wait, this one's funny. This is from a year ago. Okay, they DNF'd it. One star. It's in all caps. Yeah, I'm not going to read 626 pages of Faye Dick, so uh, DNF for now. <laughs> I feel like that's weird, though. There's not, like, a lot of, like, books. I feel like it wasn't that prevalent. Right? That doesn't even make sense. Invalid. 
Because in Akamath, doesn't she only like... I think they have one like one scene, right? There's one at the very beginning. I want to say it's like around chapter three or something. That's so sad I know that. But like, it, there's like one little scene. But like, I wouldn't even say the Akatar books get that like heavy handed with it. I would say like Crescent City does where it feels like it's like every chapter or something. But like, that's, that's so funny to me. They like DNF'd it. And it's like, I, I'm just curious at what point they DNF'd it. Because there's not a lot of sex scenes yeah. in this book. And the, yeah. especially in the beginning. I have I have another one that I relate to. And you guys, you guys will know when I read it. It's one star. I can't wait to read the next one because I hate myself and have no self-control. <laughs> <laughs> you with Zodiac? <laughs> Literally me. Oh my God. I'm telling you, there's not a lot of short ones. Like these are essays about why these people hate this book i can honestly respect that because i know like when i write reviews i really only write them for books i really don't like and i feel like that's when you have more to say and it like at that point like if you are gonna like lower something's rating like yeah it's kind of nice that you provide a lot of context so Mm -hmm. fine okay whatever but bad take bad take (laughs) oh my gosh this it just keeps going (laughs) did you guys have a favorite character throughout this series I feel like Amarin was my favorite. I know she's not, I mean, she's in the inner circle, but she's not like main character type. But I just, I love her so much. She's my favorite above everyone, above the Bat Boys, above Farah. Farah is probably far, far down on my list. Which that is just (laughs) so crazy to me. I'm sorry to that woman, but. (laughs) (laughs) Carlos, who was your favorite? I'm so curious. I think Moore was my favorite from the very beginning. Well, when you meet her. I thought I was going to start liking Amarin more at some point, but right. she just didn't stand out to me. So yeah, I would say more. Honestly, it I feel like it changes with every book. Like at this point where we're at currently in the series, I would say, honestly, Face and Together is my least favorite. <laughs> I know, probably... I know, like, Court of Silver Flames, like, was the last one that came out, but really, truly, Nesta and Cassian are probably my favorites right now. I think everybody else just pisses me off in one form or another, <laughs> that I'm just, like, I am, like, irritated with you t- in some capacity at this point. <laughs> Lauren's face. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but, like, I will say, for a long time, I probably would have said favorite, because I know for so many years, I was saying she had the best character arc. I really, truly liked where she ended up, because I wasn't, like, die hard for her at first. But it the arc for me, I really liked, which I know a lot of people didn't say there is no arc or whatever, and that's fine. But just I really liked what I saw in her. People say that she doesn't have a character. People hate Feyre. They really don't like her. What? <laughs> that's so. That's like not uncommon. I don't hate her, but she's not my favorite. Yeah, not my. I, yeah, I don't have any hate for her, and I feel like she actually goes through a lot of character development. She's just she's just down on my list. I think I saw something so many years ago where it was some kind of post where it said Farah is just very much like a real life person. She has a lot of insecurities and thought processes that I think especially readers can relate to. And it's almost like we kind of hate seeing ourselves in that character. And I thought that was really interesting Mm -hmm. take because like she's more realistic that someone you might come across every day, if that makes sense. Because she definitely made some like decisions, especially in war where I was like, girl, what are you doing? But then I was like, okay, no, that is totally something that I would do. Right. Be the savior, but then like having your husband be like, hey, sweet pea, maybe yeah. let's just communicate. <laughs> let's just talk this out next time. Just tell me. <laughs> exactly. I am 
I love Feyre. Please, people are dumb. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, okay, something that Georgia said, she was like, you know, she's a real person, and you know, people just hate to see that. And maybe though, she was just too much like a person. I was like, Ugh, why is she making these decisions? She's not listening. She never listens. Okay, I feel like everyone tries their best to keep her safe. She never listens to them. And like you guys said, she doesn't tell anyone anything. I'm like, please just say, just say something. Just say you want to do this. Just say you're going to do this. Like, I, I don't hate her. I don't, it's not, I don't hate her. I just, <laughs> I, it's, I just don't like her. Like as a main character, I don't know. She's just so annoying. Oh my God. I think she is more blander as like a main character that's the thing a main character you really want someone to like that's super interesting to follow and just like maybe completely opposite of you like i think that makes it more interesting to follow and see their head their like headspace and everything but especially with fair like yes she does not listen i again remember during avatar especially i was like what are you fucking doing they told you not to do that and you're literally about to do exactly what they said not to do and it was so frustrating but then i would stop and think about it. i'm like well i probably would have done the same so I can't really follow her. Yeah, she's just annoying. Oh, thank, thank you, Carlos. Carlos, you literally told me the other day that you liked her. Well, the thing is, she has these badass moments that make you like her. But then she goes on and like, she's so annoying at times. And I feel like sometimes the annoying moments like overwhelm the badass moments. Ooh. Especially now after finishing the third one. Like during the actual war itself, like her decisions during the war. Mainly during... It was one of the times where she like went off to do something and she almost got, I forgot who it was. She got someone killed or almost killed. Sorry. I literally just finished it. I don't remember who it was. Was it like Cassian was in danger? She got scolded by more and they got into this fight. I was going to say that sounds like the middle of the book or something. Maybe like the summer court or something, something around there. Reading it three times speed was not good for me. <laughs> <laughs> so then what did you rate the third book? I gave it four stars. Ooh, okay. Wow. But I also gave the second one four stars. Yeah, I like them equally. Yeah. I thought I was going to like the third one more. At the beginning, I did start liking it more. But I feel like because it was 700 pages, there was some points where I was getting really bored. Yeah, the middle drags. And <laughs> you guys, I think you guys know, but I like when main char when characters die and nobody died. Like it was this okay. huge war. Uh, their dad died. Yeah, but he doesn't matter. He literally was not in the story. Like what? He doesn't matter. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> the stakes were so high and nobody died. Even when Amran was like supposed to like not be herself anymore, she came back and I was like, really? And then if yes. I feel like Reese should have died. It would have been so good if Reese died. And then the next book would have been Nessa's story. I feel like that would have made so much sense. I feel you. Like, I loved the third book. I cried, okay? When I'm over here thinking Amran is dying. And then she just comes back. Right. They're like, oh, got her out. One of the criticisms I have with Sarah's books is that she really does not like killing off characters. And I remember before Akawar came out, there was a lot of just, like, worry about who she would kill off because we hadn't seen an ending to a series from her yet. And so I was crying during that because I really thought Sarah killed <laughs> this main guy. And I thought, well, that's honestly awesome. That's like good for her doing that. And then like a page later, he's back to life. And it's in the same way that Farrah comes back yeah. to life. And I'm like, oh my God. Okay, cool. That's frustrating. Yeah, I was literally just rolling my eyes. I was like, really? I loved that he came back to life. Of course. <laughs> of course. I can see it in your eyes. 
for like everything they went through, the ending was just too happy. Not for daddy. Not after the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. (laughs) Nobody gives a fuck about the dad. Like, he literally was not in the story. I'm glad he died. Like, I think that was impactful, but it wasn't enough is the thing. Like, it still had an impact and it's important for Nessa, but. He should have died in the first book. Ooh. I don't think we would have cared if he had died in the first book, though, is the thing. It still wasn't like Amorin or Reese dying, but it was just a teensy bit more important at that point. It was good for, like, Nesta that their dad died. I mean, it doesn't sound good, but, like, for her development, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like she needed something. That's what what I told Lauren, that if I feel like the dad or Elaine would have died in the first book, Nesta's development would have been so cool see i personally still love nessa's development though you gotta read silver flames my guy you gotta read silver flames it's so good i know people hate her but it's so good when the bonus chapter for aquamath like i found that somewhere along the way that was such a game changer for me they became my favorite couple in the series and i was so excited to see that again front and center and i don't know it's just like this culmination of everything i was like more so interested in than Feyre, and since at that point, Farrah and Reese were like so domestic and it was like, whatever, it was all gone for me. I wanted that tension again. So I don't know. It's just like, for me personally, I love seeing Nesta's story play out. The thing is with Sarah's books nowadays, and I think this goes back to what Carlos was saying about it, it just getting a little too long in places with Akawar. Sarah is in desperate need of being reined in, in terms of editing, and it gets very long at times, unnecessarily. And it's very, <laughs> yes. This thing is thick. Yes, it's so bad. I also heard the same thing about Crescent City that like it could be like 300 pages shorter and it would be fine. Have you guys all read Crescent City or not read Crescent City or I, haven't I have read. not no. I own I own them. I also own it. <laughs> <laughs> I am such a hater for Crescent City. Like I love the characters. I hate the way the books are written. They are so terribly convoluted and long and so info dumpy and my add brain cannot handle that and it's just like way too much <laughs> so it's, it feels like constant world building and no payoff i think is the best way to explain it all the aquawar smushed in battle scenes and all this prolonging just like times 10 is what it is Oof. it's it's not it's not a fun read i would say there's good things in it, but it's just like, it's a lot. And now it's all led to a point where it's like, I don't know if you guys know like where it ends up. I don't want to say in case you don't, but it's been cheapened at the point where the second book ends. I know a lot of people won't agree with that if they know what I'm talking about too. And they, I, it's, that's kind of a hot take, but I just don't like it. I just not a fan. <laughs> don't recommend. <laughs> I guess my question is in Silver Flames, do you like Nesta by the end of it? Like, is she, does she become a likable character or is she still just like awful and just like having sex? <laughs> <laughs> so she's cut off from that stuff at the very beginning of the book. So she's cut off from liquor. She's cut off from like really contact with the outside world. And this is a big reason people don't like Reese or the inner circle as a whole for that matter that's not the reason i don't like i think that honestly makes sense like she needed to be cut off from that stuff but i think you do 
if you are someone that really staunchly does not like Nesta, you see more into how she just functions overall and you see her thought processes and you see how it makes sense for her. And you do see her face the consequence of her actions a lot, which I think people that don't like Nesta will appreciate seeing throughout that book. So whether you like her or not by the end is kind of up for debate, but you definitely see more insight into why she does the things she does. Yeah, I went into it like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to have an open mind. Nessa's going to do stupid stuff. I'm not going to like her, but like, you know, she's going to get better. We're going to hear her inner thoughts. And I feel like she, even like the first 10%, even before she starts like training and stuff, just hearing some of the things that she went through or how she thinks, I feel like that helps like redeem her from all of her like bitchiness that she had because some of that was unnecessary but I understand her a little more I never hated Nesta I kind of like bitchy characters (laughs) I feel like they're fun to read they are fun they are fun yeah they're really fun to read so I never really hated her but like yeah I guess at points she was annoying but it wasn't like it wasn't too bad I like bitchy characters but like it's got to be to a point I did start liking her in Aka War only because you start to see her like kind of get these little feelings for Cassian and stuff and like I mean she was still being like stone cold Steve Austin about it does she like get lovey-dovey at all like with Cassian I know they like fuck but in her Nesta way so it's still very and that's what I that's what I like about how Sarah wrote her in Aquasith because I was really nervous she would make her like lovey-dovey and it would be an entirely different character she's very much still Nesta but you do see her be warm to Cassian and say things there's like one scene in particular I go back and reread every so often and it just makes me cry because like just the way she's speaking to him is so like just vulnerable and just like she really like strips herself down and like degrades herself to compliment him and it's such a beautifully written scene and like yes it does go into them having sex but like still it's the lead up that it's really beautiful and it's actually so sweet but it's sweet in her way it's not like it's an entirely different character i don't super hate nesta there were just so many moments during these books where i was like for why why must you Uh be this way because it was like these are your sisters what literally what have they done like if it felt like she was blaming her sisters for like her parents neglecting her Mm. more Mm. instead of her sisters actually doing anything. So I don't feel like either one of them really did anything to deserve, you know, Nesta's treatment. Well, she she loves Elaine. Feyre's more so like, bro, what the fuck? (laughs) I mean, she kind of starts being mean to Elaine, though, in um, A Court of Silver Flames. Like, she's mean to her. It's a a big thing in Court of Silver Flames. Her and Elaine are not on speaking terms at (gasps) all. What? Yeah, you gotta read it, Bestie. You gotta read it. Okay. <laughs> am I gonna read it? I am. Please. So is, is this gonna be like another trilogy with Nessa's story? Or is it just like the one? No, it's one. But it's like at this point, I think she recently just announced like three more books when there was only supposed to be like one or two more. And it's, do you want spoilers for Crescent City? Yeah. <laughs> Bring them. This is, this is a huge spoiler. So... The second Crescent City book that just came out, that ends with Bryce, the main character, landing on Faisan's front yard. Like, she literally crash lands on their oh. front yard. And it brings her over to Prithian. And so what it's going to be is the next Crescent City book is actually half Akatar, half, Cre- half Crescent City. And the world are colliding. And we're pretty sure, like, by the end of it, Throne of Glass is going to come into, at least by the end of that third book. What? And 
it's like at this point i don't i've kind of lost track because i don't watch the interviews or anything anymore so i don't know where like the layout is going with the next few books but like the next akatar book is not coming out till after that book and i don't think we're really supposed to know whose book it's going to be we're just kind of assuming it's elaine and asriel's but we don't actually know so nesta's arc is pretty much done elaine and asriel i kind of hate that wait what about her and lucian no exactly exactly i'm in a safe space right now <laughs> it's so i mean like that's what we're thinking it, it could be elaine and asriel is what most people think or elaine asriel lucian we don't know we just like don't know at this point and like there was two bonus scenes released and one of the bonus scenes was asriel and elaine during the night of the winter solstice were alone and they almost kissed and this is <gasps> a big reason for the reese hate reese stops asriel from kissing her I feel like there has to be a relationship that doesn't go with the mate. So, like, I agree with her not being with Lucian. But just Asriel feels so weird. What about Elaine and Moore? People have talked about that. But I think they're, they're oh, my God, there's somebody that, oh, um, a big character in A Court of Silver Flames is, like, who people are shipping with more now. More in Emery. So she came out and she's like, I don't like guys. Like, she's gay. And that's why she's kind of, like, pushed Asriel away because she doesn't want to hurt him and, like, lead him on type of thing. Well, she says that at the end of the third one. Oh, I thought it was Silver Flames. But she hasn't – I don't think she said that from my memory. And maybe I could be wrong. I don't think she's, like, said that to anyone but Feyre. Yeah, only Feyre knows. I just don't understand why she – hadn't told the inner circle who she has known for hundreds and hundreds of years and it's still at the point with a fourth book or a fifth book really done and she hasn't told anybody but Feyre and nobody knows but I mean where it is now it's people shipping memory and more. I was reading something where um, SJM was getting hate because she just made more like gay because she was getting backlash because I didn't I don't think she had any LGBT characters and so she was just like, okay, I'll just make more. And it like came out of nowhere. And I think she was getting a lot of hate for that too. I definitely agree with that. That is one of my criticisms of it. Because at, at the time, it was, I just remember how big the shipping was from more in Asriel. And it definitely felt like it came out of left field that she was all of a sudden bisexual. And I think there's actually like a better term for what she is because it's like, romantic versus sexual feelings. I can't remember what it's called. I'm sorry. But for the sake of this discussion bisexual but um that definitely felt out of left field and it felt forced like she was trying to get representation in there and it felt very much like she had this plan to have her and as be together but i will say for me and it's interesting for someone that just read the books carlos that like you think as is a weird twist because for me i always kind of felt something between elaine and as since book two where they're like at dinner together and they were making comments about it and like i felt especially in the third book i was like oh he like gets her he gets her they should be together maybe i I didn't catch it well it was a three times speed problem yeah (laughs) Yeah, right carlos hates asriel asriel's hands just give me the ick no i don't know what to tell you i just i can't i can't i can't think about him touching me like not the ick please it's giving freddy krueger no People are gonna eat you alive. I don't care. Come for me. Guys, come for Carlos in the comments. Come for me because it's true. You know it's true. I wouldn't say that, but I don't like that. Like that. Not Freddie. Please. God, I'm like sweating right now from laughing. Holy crap. Well, I guess just as far as like the Elaine and As thing, 
I feel like I picked up on it the most when Asriel gave her his knife and they made the whole big deal about like how never have they ever, you know, seen him give it to anyone else. And I was like, oh, is this going to be a thing? Like, is this going to be like a little setup? Which and that didn't even happen until halfway through Aka War or something like that. So I feel like I was a little bit blind to that as well. Not that I think that her and Lucian need to be together just specifically because they're mates, but like in order for me to believe that she needs to be with one versus the other, I need more interactions. Like even her and Asriel, I feel like have barely interacted enough for me to ship them. Um, and she hasn't even given Lucian a chance. Guys, I'm I'm a Lucian lover. I like Lucian. I liked Lucian a lot in the first book and I hated Tamlin in the first book. I don't know how I feel about him. I didn't actually like care too much about him in the first one. I thought he was like funny and he was trying to be Farrah's friend. But I don't know. Am I a Lucian hater? I don't think I am. I feel like you are. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. It's indi- you're indifferent. You're indifferent. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I feel like he is getting <laughs> such a good arc, though. He's getting redemption because yeah. he was so blinded by everything that Tamlin was saying to him. And he thought that he was doing what was right for, like, the court. And so, yeah, I will be the first one to admit he was not a good friend to Feyre. He just – he was not. But, like, at the end of the day, he went to Valeris and he was like, okay – you you guys got a sweet setup over here. I gotta admit. <laughs> Let me stay. <laughs> I feel like he's on the road to like being such a great guy, guys. I don't know. And he's so silly. He is very silly goofy. I like him. I mean, I really like Lucian from the beginning. I still really like him. I just, I guess like what frustrates me and I think that it's the, they feel so strongly that that is solely the reason they should be together is that they are mates and that is so weird and and honestly, it's gross to me. Like, we already know that that's not how mating works because Reese's parents didn't like each other for most of the time that they were together. I think there was, if I remember correctly, that was like, they like did show respect for each other or something towards the end but like I don't know that's so gross to me because the way people talk about it is just very like misogynistic towards Elaine and I'm not I'm not a huge Elaine fan it's not like I like die hard love her we don't know her our tomato queen (laughs) not the tomato queen (laughs) she's like I just want a garden (laughs) (laughs) but people are so strongly opposed to her and they say like she's just so mean towards Lucian and I think she is mean towards Lucian but in the sense that like everybody around her is pushing her so hard to be with him that like I would be pissed off too I would be so mad if somebody was trying to do that to me and control who I wanted to be with. This whole shipping vein is so frustrating. Sarah just honestly has created a dumpster fire and I'm sure she's having fun with it, but it's annoying. I want to wait for another Crescent City book first so I have to see all this play out. That's what's frustrating. I mean, it's kind of smart though. Like if she's intertwining all of these and we already know that Akatar is going to be a TV series and if they all fucking get together then she's like well you guys just have to make my other series then so like she's a businesswoman also I have a question about the intertwining there was a character in the third one that the name kind of stood out I don't know if I've heard it before Briar does this character come oh, out yes. in any other series if I'm not mistaken she was like the, the kidnapped 
children yeah. of the blessed or something yes, yeah yes, yes. Um, mm-hmm. well there are theories that she might be like tamlin's mate if i remember correctly that's what i'm saying though they like they just make everybody somebody's mate i mean so does sarah though so yeah loves the word mate i will say that i didn't love if you're gonna have someone be mates sure like go off I love I love a mate trope, but the fact that they used that term as like a term of endearment, that was a yes. little bit gross. Like my mate. And I love nicknames like in books. I think they're so cute, but like early if it's just even like an endearment, like sweetheart or something. But like mate is not cute. <laughs> it's cringy. Like when he calls her darling, please. I love that shit. More of that, please. Exactly. But then when that changes to <laughs> my mate i'm like <sighs> okay but this is like why she needs a like a editor that actually will bring her in because someone needs to tell her this is not it chief it's not working this is not the move her editor's really just a yes man now she's just like yep everything you write solid gold let's go baby <laughs> and they know it's gonna sell either way i don't even know if they really care to have an editor on the payroll so <laughs> yeah when in the second book what is fair feed uh reese to accept the matehood soup good soup i love soup yeah but like that for the least sexiest thing to eat i feel like just slurping it up (laughs) (laughs) i mean (laughs) gross it's not the only thing he's slurping up (laughs) hey i tell you what you're not wrong i mean you're talking to the wrong gal i eat ramen I eat ramen every day of my life, so give me soup oh any day of the week. <laughs> soup is great. It's just like, of all things. For this big ceremony of me accepting you as my mate, here is some soup. Eat from this bowl. What's your sex meal? <laughs> <laughs> Ew. <laughs> well, my parents listen to this, okay? <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a really funny, cute moment in Silver Flames with the mating food because Nesta does not have anything on hand and she gives Cassian like a cracker or like a cookie or something. She's like, this is all I have. And like, will you accept? And it's actually so cute and so funny. Wait, are they mates? Yeah, that's the spoiler. No, we knew they were mates though. Do we? Did we? Not, I don't think officially in the earlier books. It's hinted at. It's definitely hinted at. I thought we just knew because of like how he felt like so pulled to her. I don't know. I think I just assume like as soon as he saw her. I can't remember what specific. I think it's like when she's about to go in the cauldron. I can't remember. It's I would have to reread that passage or that like whole chapter just to see. There's a lot happening in that in that scene. That scene was so cool. Oh my god. Best ending to a book. I love that. Just seeing Carlos's texts, like, as he, right as he finished, and him just, like, freaking out at that ending. <laughs> it was so I, good. I love that ending. It's really good. It's so good. And I think that was a moment for Rose and I where we were like, yes, we knew he would yeah. like it. We just knew. So it was very, that was a good moment for us. Yeah, I didn't like the ending for the third one, though. I didn't like that Elaine and Nesta were the ones that killed the king. It felt like it felt like in Game of Thrones when Arya killed the Night King, when Jon Snow should have been the one to do it. You know, oh. it was giving that vibe. I feel like it should have been either Feyre or Reese. But like her holding his head, I feel like... I mean, it was badass. It was cool. But I just feel like it shouldn't have been them too. 
should have been. It's the one that's had more history with him. I feel like it was like almost more like Sarah wanted like the most emotional impact, like what it meant for them to kill him, like for Elaine to protect her sister, but also for Nesta to be protecting Cassie and from him and willing to die and everything. Like I think like it made sense the way it played out, but like I get what you're saying. Like it felt like it should have been someone else. Tamlin is still gonna take a long time to be off my shit list. If I remember correctly, there is talk about in the book about Elaine going to the Spring Court lands or like disappearing at times to go like do something and they don't know what. And like either it's a theory she's going to help mend the Spring Court or like it's a real thing in the text. I can't remember. So there's no Tamlin scenes, but it's almost like it's gearing Elaine towards the Spring Court, which I thought actually before Aquawar came out, I thought the way it was going to end was that Tamlin was going to sacrifice himself somehow and Lucian was going to take over the Spring Court and Elaine, being his mate, was going to be like the high lady of the Spring Court. That's how I thought it was all going to play out. And it did not at all go that way. I mean, it still could, but it did not at all go that way. I mean, it's not an excuse, but like how he was raised and him just trying to protect Farah at all costs and he just went about it in like the worst way possible. But I feel like he he has redeeming qualities. Like he he can be redeemed. And he kind of kind of did whenever he saved I don't know who he was saving, but he I I don't remember. I think it was in book three. It was as in them. Yeah. Yeah, they like snuck into the camp and they were about to get caught and he like chased them off to let them escape. So And he also helped revive Reese, right? Yes he did. I'm wondering if they've teased Elaine being like this, you know, garden, like very springy dare I say, like, what if her and Tamlin get together? What? Bad take, bad take. Bad take? (laughs) I'm not saying that I'm rooting for it, but I'm saying what if they've teased her being this, like, fucking garden person, like, just always wants to have a garden. She needs to live in the spring part. What if Tamlin's like, boy, do I have a garden for you, girl. Or maybe, yeah, maybe Tamlin will just be like, here, Lucian, take my court for your own. I still think that would be really cool. As much as I don't want Lucian and her together just because people piss me off about it, I think that would be so cool if she became like High Lady of the Spring Court or something. I was thinking about the Spring Court just now, and I just thought of, did we ever get to see Alice again with her uh, nephews and nieces? But I know they did mention, like, she, uh, Pharaoh was thinking about her, but we never actually saw her again. I don't think we did, no. I liked Alice. I loved her. In the Alice first book, I thought at the very end, like, you know, when she would have to, like, kill those fae with, like, the hoods on or whatever. I thought it was going to be out, Al- like, one of them was going to be Alice. And I was like, oh, my God. No. Oh, I, did- I don't even know if I ever, like, thought about that. That actually would have been so cool. Yeah, that would have been crazy. Uh-huh. But it was just random fae. Just some randos. Just some randos. I I really don't know what book would be my favorite. Because especially I just finished, like Carlos, I just finished rereading Akawar today. No, it's got to be Akamath. Akamath just has such funny moments. Like the Weaver's House, the Surreal. Oh my gosh, the Surreal. I love the Surreal. The Surreal is a girly pop. Well, there's supposed to be more cereal. Like, you know, it's like a species. It's not just yeah. like ones. There's supposed to be more. And I want to see more of them. I love the bone carver. Since I did audio, the narrator would do like a child's voice for it. And it was just so good. It was so creepy. It was really good. Fine. I've been convinced. I'll read Silver Flames, guys. It really is. I seriously, it, it's like higher ranked for me. Like I still like when I ranked it officially like a year ago or something, it's still like 
four out of five, but like it is way, 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 way above Frost and Starlight. And I probably would rank it now above like Avatar. It's so good. It really is. It's just really long, like needlessly long, but it's really good. Yeah. Again, I'm such a Reese girl, like it's disgusting. So my whole thing of not going into Silver Flames was because people were like, you're going to hate him by the end of the book. And I was like, I don't think that I could mentally take that loss. So I mean, I will say, so a big reason I don't like the inner circle for this in Silver Flames, but they basically hide from Feyre that she may not survive her pregnancy For me, it just all, like, plays out very pro-lifey in the book, and I'm just not a fan of that, and it's just very gross to me, and Reese this whole time is hiding it from Feyre in the hopes that he can find a way around it to make sure that her and the baby come out okay, that they can survive. So there's a point in the book where I can't remember what happens because it's been a while since I read, but Nesta gets so mad because she knows about Feyre. Like, they all know about Feyre. And she gets so mad that she storms off and goes and tells Feyre, like, in this fit of rage, she's like, well, they're not telling you, like, you're going to die. And she realizes, like, shit, I shouldn't have told her that way. And then Reese, I cannot remember, I'm saying this probably entirely wrong, but Reese finds out and he's like, he tells Cassie, like, get her the fuck out of the city or I will kill her. And, like, honestly, I'm like, oh, slay, that's actually so fun. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) I kind of like that side. I was like, okay, shit. The girls are fighting. (laughs) I mean, I really think it's just, like, from, like, Frost and Starlight, you see him doing these things where I'm like, why does he need to do that? Like, him visiting Tamlin in the spring court and, Tam- and just kicking him when he's down. It's like, you already got the girl. Like, what are you doing here? You don't need to be here, like, poking the hornet's nest. And, like, yeah, he leaves giving him food. But, like, I mean, just, like, it's just, like, things like that. I'm like, you don't actually need to be even doing that. It just brings you down to his level, if anything. And it's just weird behavior. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I – from where I am in the book – we already know like what's going to happen because I guess what her baby possibly has wings or something, whatever. It has to do with the Illyrians, right? Yeah. She can't like shift her form to like, she can't safely shift her form during pregnancy to accommodate like her birth canal to the wings coming out. But like it all basically amounts to like they can't, they also can't do a C-section because she'll die of blood loss somehow even though cassian's wings can be healed when they're like torn off his body it makes no sense and can she heal herself you would think yeah that's that's part of the problem it's a plot hole my guy (laughs) (laughs) it's a very bad plot hole but you know sarah sarah's gotta do the thing i guess so i don't hate reese but it's just like mm, you're you're a little annoying right now I don't think everybody the inner circle doesn't know about the bond that reese and Feyre form at the end of aquawar where like when one dies, the other will die too. So the inner circle also doesn't realize like Feyre dies during childbirth, Reese is going to die too, and they're not going to have a high lord. So it's overall a very weird, icky thing for both of them, honestly. And that's when I like normally just log off of series is when like characters that you fall in love with that are written a specific way, I'm very big on continuity. It's different if this character is getting like an arc and stuff like that, you know, that's different. But if it's just like you just randomly start writing a character different for no reason, like you said, that just seems very uncharacteristic of Reese to like take away Favor's choice. That's when I don't blame Reese, I blame Sarah. Sarah Janet. <laughs> <laughs> They've literally had conversations, and I want to say this started in Aquamath, but maybe it was Aquawar. Could have been Aquabas, but I freaking remember. But where the two of them have talked, and they're like, 
just we got to be open with each other we got to communicate and it's like that's the opposite of what they're doing and that's what's so frustrating it's like they've come such a long way why are we going back on all this development and I don't know a lot of people like to kind of just dismiss it especially in Reese's case where they just say well he's a morally gray character that's how he should be and it's like no not really he's not really morally gray in like the Mm -hmm. sense that a lot of other characters are at all a main pillar of his personality is how selfless he is and that's just Mm -hmm. to me the opposite of how he's acting in frost and starlight and silver flames i don't know that's just me but people just say oh he's morally gray i don't don't think you know what morally gray is but that's just me (laughs) well because i mean his whole thing is like his persona to the rest of the court is supposed to be like this huge asshole right and like but even then i wouldn't say that he's morally gray like at that point he's just playing the villain I don't know. People are trying to like mesh and being like, well, he acts like a really bad guy, but he's a really good guy. So that must mean he's morally gray, right? (laughs) Because black and white makes gray. Now that you say that, that actually might be the exact thought process that people are going through. That's actually a really good way to look at it because I think that is what people, how they're reaching that conclusion. That makes sense, actually. But they're wrong. Because he's just good. I do, so. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You're wrong. You're all wrong. <laughs> was there a character that you guys just absolutely hated or like thought was useless that you wish that she didn't even write in the first place? I know that people listening right now, though, are going to say Elaine. They're going to say Elaine <gasps> to themselves really? before we even answer. Yeah. And I don't feel that way, but I know that's what people think. I feel like Elaine, even though she's just like, you know, in a daze most of the time. Comatose. Like she <laughs> exactly. She has a purpose. So I wouldn't say it's just we haven't seen it yet. Well, she's a seer. It's I, I thought that was really cool and really creepy actually in Akawar. It reminded me of um, I don't know if you guys are Buffy fans, but it reminded me a lot of Drusilla and Buffy. Yes. I love Buffy. Yes. So it reminded me a lot of Drusilla. I don't know, where she's just kinda like mm. dainty in there and like you don't fully see the purpose yet, but mm-hmm. One thing that I didn't see coming upon first reading, I was like, holy shit, I did not see Jurian being like a good guy. Yes, actually. Yeah, Yeah, I like that twist. Me too. All the meetings. I loved all the meetings. The first one when they had it with with the queens, that was so good. I love the banter. We also never saw the queens again because they got turned into Faye, right? Only one did. What one is like a crone, and then the other two saw her get turned into an old crone, and they were like, "Oh no!" Didn't oh, they like okay, okay. they winnowed or something? But isn't one of them like a like a, a bird? <laughs> what is she? <laughs> oh yes, that's that's Vasa. Yes, who I ship with Lucian so hard. That's my Lucian ship is with oh, Vasa. I, I like that. Love them like together. That. I actually would be, I'm not like a throuple person, but I would love like a Durian Vasa Lucian moment so much. Like I just want that, but mainly Lucian and Vasa. I want that to be endgame so bad. Can we talk about how Feyre discovered Lucian was the son of... Helion, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh After so long and nobody else in that whole world was like connecting the dots but Farah in two seconds was like <gasps> i mean she has a lot of moments like that does she yeah like in the first book when she was gonna stab tamlin and she's like oh wait he has a stone heart <laughs> it was just like it came out of nowhere i feel like yeah like she just yeah. thought about it in like two seconds and figured it out or the riddle being love oh my god that riddle drives me insane i get why sarah did that but oh god that riddle drives me insane to this day so cheesy 
I was like, Ugh. they were like all about to die. They were like on the cusp of dying, and she just says it and like saves the world. Love conquers all. I hate it here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think if there are any other like major SJM controversies that we should have our opinions on. I've heard that she's like problematic. Let's talk. Let's talk about it, Carlos. I know you've been ready. Let's talk about it. <laughs> I actually, have, I haven't looked anything up on her. I just heard that she's problematic, but I don't know why. So I will say, I like came into the Sergi Mass fandom like I feel like later in the game because I started reading with Akatar in 2016, and that was kind of at the very end of her Twitter days. And I guess a lot of the hate and stuff started on Twitter. And that's why she's not really active on social media anymore is just because she got a lot of just negativity for bad diversity, uh, poor like representation. And I think that's valid. Yeah. But I do feel like why and I guess, this isn't really YA, but like just books at that time still were not at a point where that was even really prominent. And I feel like it was a mix of, yes, the representation was being bad, but she was this really pro- like popular author. And it was like a combination of like almost like hate because she was popular and not putting out stuff that was like diverse and representative if that makes sense and catching more flack then she probably should have because there are so many other authors that do the same thing and they just like don't get targeted at all there was also a post during black lives matter in 2020 where and i can't remember it but i remember at the time i was like oh wow she like took the opportunity like during this huge post that's going to get so much traction because she's announcing either the title or the cover for a court of silver flames she directed attention towards Breonna Taylor. And that's how I interpreted it at the time. But people were like, oh, she threw out her name out there to get more publicity for her book. Yeah, it seems, I don't know if she's deleted any posts in between, but it seems like everything is up. So it kind of just feels like she posts like, hey guys, these are all these black authors. Um, Let's lift them up. And then just announces her book. And then like after it, it doesn't feel like she really did either. So it, it kind of like maybe that's where people get a bad taste too because it just feels like, oh, I'm just going to post right now so it looks good. Performative, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, here's my book. And I just remember because there was so much hyper-focus. So all this is so ingrained in my brain. I think it was like six days it took her to post the Black Square after people started posting that. And there was a lot of talk and pressure of her to post that. It's just, I guess, weird to me because, again, this goes back to kind of the Brandon Sanderson thing. There's this hyper-focus on her not doing the most because she is so popular. And, like, yes, she has a, a platform. Granted, she doesn't really use it, and that's the thing why she doesn't have a lot of posts. Back to the Twitter thing, she doesn't really post anymore in general. But the one time she does, it's going to look performative, whether it is or not. We can't really say because we're not in her head. We can't know that, but... There were so many authors, I'm not even kidding you, and I could fully name drop right now because I remember so vividly who they were, did not post a single thing during the Black Lives Matter 2020. They just disappeared offline until like the next winter. Let's cancel them right now. (laughs) (laughs) Back when it was first uh, announced that Akatar was going to become a series, everyone just flipped out you know as they should I mean I was so excited nervous but excited and Danielle Rose Russell followed SJM on Instagram and everyone flooded to her Instagram account and was like you're too fat to play Pharaoh like bullied the fuck out of this like poor girl oh my gosh she has not posted in like three years Sarah J Mass did not do 
anything to her fandom. She didn't say like, hey, maybe maybe don't bully people. Maybe don't do that, guys. That's not cool. She like stayed totally silent. And it was literally just because this actress followed her on Instagram. And so everyone was like, that's it. She's Farah. We know it. And it's like, it would have been nice to hear from her. To address, yeah. I think she just almost tries to play ignorant about the things that happen online in the fandom so she doesn't have to come online i mean if she needs to do that because i know she's talked about her mental health being really bad and maybe if she needs to do that for her mental health fine but like there is points or there are points like this where it's kind of like it would be just nice if you could chime in for a second and kind of manage the fandom a little bit because the fandom just i don't know i, I want to say like she doesn't owe it to us but like I don't know. We made her a millionaire. I th- I feel like she can do this one little thing. Well, True. and you have a publicist. I guess it's just probably also if she addressed like a few little things here and there, it would almost be like the expectation from the public would be that she addressed everything. So maybe she doesn't want to approach it at all. I would like a full a full address. <laughs> I need them to ask her some hard questions. That'd be crazy. Let's talk about um, Danielle Rose Russell. Please tell me about her. Like I... <laughs> I need someone to do this. She's never going to agree to it, but... Hell no. And God, let's... The man that is going to take on the role of Reese, help him. Someone needs to put him in therapy now. I'm so scared for that man. I'm so scared. People are going to tear him to shreds, and it's going to make me so sad. Yeah. I feel like at a point, she has created an environment where her fans feel comfortable causing all this, you know, trolling online, all of this stuff. Like, since she's not addressing anything. I get it's not really necessarily her job to police the fandom either. Yeah, it gets tough because then it's like you have to micromanage your readers. That doesn't always make sense. But for something that big. She wouldn't even have to say something like, hey, don't bully Daniel Rose. So just be like, hey, guys, we don't have any casting news yet. Nothing is official. I feel like overall she just probably has a bad team on the end. Probably a bad publicist, bad editor. She just She needs to overhaul <laughs> her team a little bit. Her inner circle trash yes yes exactly (laughs) exactly but it's funny it's like you have other authors that really do have these really terrible things that they've done and I think a lot of Sarah's stuff is just like maybe she really like meant it we don't know but just like things I think were honestly probably just like bad timing or whatever but then you have like I don't know like obviously JK Rowling but people like even like Colleen Hoover who her son like I think was like actually like charged with like raping a girl. Oh my God. Thank God. Oh, I'm in a safe space. Okay. You are in a safe space. I promise. I hate this woman. Okay. But yeah, it's like, we do too. I just like, it blows my mind because you have actual terrible stuff against someone like that. And it's like, they go on being so successful and it's like, I don't, I don't know. It's so weird. You have like all this vague stuff with Sarah, but then like actual concrete stuff with Colleen Hoover and it's, Somehow she's still successful. Like, it doesn't matter. It's weird to me. I feel like even Colleen Hoover, yeah, she never addresses anything. She just, let me just dust this under the rug, you know? She barely addressed the coloring book that, like, she was putting out. Oh, like, oh I remember oh, that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's crazy. That is so fucking weird to me. That that would even be, like, something a publisher would want to do. Like, I just, oh, that blows my mind. It's so funny because it's so off the wall a team of people really sat down and they were like yes let's do that yeah people like reviewed that sounds good send it send it to barnes and noble (laughs) (laughs) man i'm 
I'm scared for where this series is gonna go. I feel like I'm not. I'm not gonna read. I'm not gonna continue. Yeah, I feel like I'm done. <laughs> Maybe I'll go back and read Throne of Glass, but I just I think it might get to a point where it all intertwines is the problem. I mean, but if you don't care to keep up with it, then like it's like whatever. Yeah, just check out. Yeah. Everyone tells me I would like Throne of Glass better. I don't know. It's just too long. It is long, but there's shorter books, like for the most part, you know? Something that I I hate that it just popped into my brain. (laughs) The amount of times that male and female is used in these books. I hate it. What do you mean? The amount of times, like the word female and male, it's so much. It's so much. Do you notice? Yeah. I did notice. I think because I just I hate the word female already because because I feel like it's like men say it very derogatory. And so (laughs) I know she didn't mean it in that way in the book. But I just every time I read female and male, I just wanted to gag. I think it like is kind of meant to like lend itself to the like animal nature of Faye. It's just like one Mm. of those things, kind of like the growling and the purring. It's all, I feel like, meant to kind of... Like dehumanize them, kind of. It's kind of like the mate thing. It's just the way she uses it and places it. It's just like, oh god, okay. Yeah. Enough already. But boy, boy do I love a growl and a purr. Ew! (laughs) No, I love it. I'm with you. I'm with you, Lauren. When he purrs? Oh! Okay. Come on. I'm here for it. I love it in any book. I love it. <laughs> Me too. The purring, the fairy darling. The fairy darling is great. I eat that up. I can't remember what it's called, but Jay Kristoff, there's a term for it when it's something that you can't actually do. They hissed something or they like mm. growled something. Like they can't actually do that. There's a term for what that is, but I love that. I don't know. Like it yeah. helps me better like see the moment or feel it or whatever. Oh. Please. Especially the growling. <laughs> Especially the growling. <laughs> yeah, when it's like a, a dark growl escaped through his lips, I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but sure. <laughs> I love it. We got the message across. Yeah. Like, am I concerned? Because they're definitely like about to have sex. Like, is she safe? But I know she is because he also purred. So, oh like, my goodness. you know. I'll take it. Give it to me. All of it, please. Oh, me too. Dead. Carlos, I'm surprised we didn't hear any more crazy hot takes from you. I feel like I said the ones I had to say from the first book mainly. But I mean, the other two were really good. I really like them. So then wait, if you thought that they were really good, I guess, why why do you not want to continue? I just feel like it's a completed trilogy. I don't need more of the story. Like I liked how it ended, even though it was a happy ending, which boo. But yeah, I just like the ending. Like it's done, you know, that's it. That's so weird to me because I just remember when Aquaware came out, like a lot of people in the fandom, especially like, I mean, like my friend and me talked about it so much. We felt so unsatisfied with that ending because there were so many loose ends and just things left open to explore that we were so frustrated. So that's so, I mean, that's good. I'm glad you feel like satisfied. I just like, that's so weird to me. That's the opposite of how I felt when Aquaware ended. I don't mind open endings like that where there's a lot to be explored. I feel like you can just leave it up to the imagination. So yeah, I'm okay with it. I mean, I'll still probably watch like videos of what happens next, like spoilers, but. Especially if they're going to be like a thousand pages long, which is how it sounds it's going to be. We we are a spoiler family here on Control Your Shelf. Apparently. Whoa. <laughs> I was not expecting that. 
Yeah, I don't know what it is. I think it's like the comfort thing. I'm reading The Way of Kings right now, and I googled a character's name the other day, and like it spoiled it, but like it makes me want to get to that part, and like I want to read it more now. Mm-hmm. It relieves my anxiety whenever I'm reading, and like I know what's gonna happen, and I'm like, okay, I just gotta get there. I gotta get there. Like it, it makes me feel better. I'm so the opposite. <laughs> final final words on Akatar. Love it. Hate it a little bit, but mostly love it. Like I can definitely recommend it now at Barnes. I used to like not recommend it at all, but now I can definitely recommend it. What did you used to say when people would ask then? If you like, did you <laughs> yeah. just like be like, I I haven't read that one or like? Yeah, I would just be like, I haven't read it. I don't think I ever will, just from what I've heard of it. But like, you do you. <laughs> <laughs> but you do you. I love the honesty though. I love the honesty. That's what I would want if I was going to Barnes and Noble and like asking. I never recommend books I don't like. That's okay. fair. That is fair. Like inheritance games. Oh. I always told people how it's so bad and it was like the worst <gasps> book I've ever read. Carlos. It. Oh no. Don't. <laughs> oh no. Literally my whole life is is around the inheritance games my whole everything. i've only read the first one but i loved it i hated the first one i could not continue the series oh my god and i wouldn't even be able to tell you specifically why i hated it i just remember after i finished it i was like what the fuck did i just read <laughs> and then i returned it i'm gonna be thinking about this at like 3 a.m tonight like oh <laughs> well that's so sad editing lauren cut that out oh. <laughs> No one needs to hear uh. that. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, guys. Thank you so much for watching and listening. We love you. Um, where can everybody find you? You can find me on Instagram at Lauren H. Writes. You can find me on Instagram at Kingdom of Books. And you can find me on Instagram at Flower Reads A Lot and our podcast at Control Your Shelf underscore pod. Um, so you can find me at Peachy Queen Cosplay on Instagram and Peachy Queen 012 or 012 on TikTok. And you guys, her reels and TikToks are so funny. Like if you love Akatar, even if you hate Akatar, you'll think that <laughs> I do poke fun at Akatar a lot. Don't don't worry, I poke fun. She does. <laughs> they're so much fun and oh my god, they're just so good. Like your content is so good. Oh, thank you. And thanks for joining us. Yeah, it was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Um, I feel like, I mean, we all got to do this, but got to air out some dirty laundry, some hot <laughs> cakes. So that was much appreciated. Thank you for inviting me.